Have you ever been to a mate's place and they turn to you and completely unexpectedly ask, Want a smash? Yes, that's right. Coming up on the show this week, we're going to be chatting about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the first one, after it released on Wii U and 3DS. It was quite a while ago now. Adrian's been playing it, and Kate and I are going to be playing it in studio while he tries to review it. We're also going to be checking in with the Awesome Games Done Quick event that's based out of the US, and we're going to be chatting with someone at the event. And also, Kate and Adrian discuss what makes WoW so addictive. All of that coming up in the show this week on Zed Games. Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Z Studios in Brisbane. And broadcast nationally across the community radio network. Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community and culture. From across Australia to around the world. Coming at you live from 4 Z Studios in Brisbane. You might be hanging out with us on 102.1 FM, on Zed Digital, on iTunes or Spotify or around the country on the community radio network. This is Zed Games and Adrian was shocked that I brought up the mics in time. Hello. <laughs> That's all I, I will not to confirm say. or deny. I just wanted to say hello. Good. I'm, well, I'll bring the mic back down to you then. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone. Also, hello, Kate. Hi. How you going, matey? Doing well. Yeah? Doing well. Happy 2019. Happy 2019. Hey. It is 2019. What a year. Caitlin definitely last week said bye, Felicia, which I think is a fitting <laughs> way to, to let it go. To out, yeah. To yep. out 2018. Who's ready for 2020. It <laughs> 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 was, was genuine shock. Oh my god! Time for a ten-year high school re- reunion. Yeah, oh. you Not graduated going. in two thousand and nine too. Wait, no, no, no. 20, no, no I mean, two thousand twenty. I can't yeah. do maths. <laughs> Numbers are my favorite. Beautiful. What? A, yeah, never mind. God. Um, we are going to be with you, whether you like it or not, for the next little bit. Uh, we have a review of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. We do. It's ultimate fun. Want to smash? The ult- Yeah, that was quite a zinger, wasn't it? <laughs> um, it's a no from me. It's a no from me. That's completely understandable. But it is a yes to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Good. Yeah. Um, Kate, you want to talk about MMOs? Oh, yes, I do. Why? Okay, so I challenge you both to a conversation. By the way, there are no winners, we'll so it's not later. really a challenge. Okay, good. Um, All conversations are a challenge to me. <laughs> triggered. Please go on. Um, so... My my thought process here was that MMORPGs have this incredible success rate, and I tried to reverse engineer it. Specifically speaking for myself, I play, I've played WoW in the past. My question is, what makes them so addictive? And to some people, so entirely not catchy. You know, are they video games or are they lifestyle choices? Well, we'll get into that. And that's that. exactly it. That's exactly my question. It's because, a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Or is it, yeah. is it not? We'll find out later. Are you, are you on born Zed with games. it, or is it a lifestyle choice? Oh, oh, never mind. Um, we're also going to be chatting to uh, Stephen uh, in the US right now. He's at Awesome Games Done Quick, which is an event there in the US, and we're going to be calling him if it works. We'll see how that goes. But first, the week in gaming those headlines. The PlayStation 4 has surpassed 91.6 million units sold worldwide as of December 31st, 2018. Other notable stats provided by Sony Interactive Entertainment include over 5.6 million PS4s being sold in just the 2018 holiday season, monthly active users of PlayStation Network surpassing 90 million in November 2018, and PS4 software sales are surpassing 876 million units. The PlayStation 4 launched in late 2013, with the Pro version releasing in late 2016. Sony are yet to reveal any plans for future hardware. Ooh, some numbers. You can bet with those numbers, they got money for future hardware. It's a lot of units. It's a lot of R&D money. Do you reckon Xbox even has half that? 
Have they released their numbers? No, not for a while. I, you know, with numbers like that, you can release those numbers, you know, <laughs> if you're Sony. Um, one thing I do want to put to both of you, we've ha- I, I've watched the reaction from some game outlets being like, this is the power of hardcore gamers. And I'm like, wait. Nine, like for the reason why they brought this up, I need to clarify. Like, this the is reason, for the players. This is the the reason they brought it up was because it's like, oh, it's getting close to the Wii, which sold a hundred million, uh, just over a hundred million, as one hundred one point six or something Ooh. like that million. Um, that console was mostly, I feel like, the, the reason it sold so well was because it was open to a broader audience. I love Wii Sports. Do you feel like the PS4 sold as well as it did because it is appealing to hardcore gamers or because there are more gamers that I feel like... Like, gaming culturally has been accepted more generally in the last 10 years. I think it's both. I mean, I want to say both, but I also think that the PlayStation is more accessible for families and kids than the Xbox is. It's a Netflix console as well. That's a thing, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I stream all of my things on my PlayStation. Mm. And that makes it hugely accessible. You don't need to buy, like, an Apple TV. Yeah. You know? Obviously, it's, you know, less expensive to do so, but if you want the whole package, if you yeah. if you want streaming, if you want games, you've got a PlayStation that will do that. Yeah. Um, and I think also probably game choice would have to come into that at some stage. Yeah. Because there are quite a lot of exclusives on PlayStation. The other yeah. big number, yeah. I'm not sure if I included it in that. Um, other, so, there were it was about nine pieces of software for every console because you end up doing the math it's like 91.6 million consoles 807 876 million units it's like about nine bloody great attach rate right like nine pieces of software for every console is pretty decent um spider-man has sold nine million copies mm. that's only been out for what four months that's amazing mm. and i think it's a testament to the quality of their first party titles that have not only been great games but have resonated with people and i think because they focus so strongly on these narrative driven single player games you've seen people really latched onto them in popular culture and share about their experiences on social media and get behind these characters whether or not, not it be you know creating fan art or just sharing how emotional they found games like the last of us and uncharted yeah. to be yeah so good on them good on you sony in other news, the Wii Shop Channel is closing at 4pm on January 31st, 2019. Oh. Heartbroken. At this time, users will be unable to purchase software using Nintendo points already linked with their account. The channel has been available since December 2006 and offered WiiWare, Virtual Console, and Wii Channel software for use on the Wii and Wii U. While not the first online marketplace for games, it was one of the first platforms with a mainstream audience, following those on the Dreamcast, Xbox 360, and PS3. Now, you asked me, why did you mention afterwards Yuri slash BS underneath that news story? There is I mean, it's a good question. Something it's about Yuri and BS under this news story, yeah. Jack. So, the reason is that uh, BS was added to a bunch of titles, like the front of a bunch of like titles on the Satellaview. So, the Satellaview, the reason... I'll, let's, let's back up. You've got some up. explaining to do, boy. Two steps back. Let me explain, yeah. <laughs> One step backwards, two steps backwards. Dun, dun, uh, dun, dun, dun. I, <laughs> I should have can played we please, that. Can oh. we, no, we, we're going to play the Wii Shop I'll play that later. Remix, I'll, yes. I'll, yes. The Trap Remix. Um, so it wasn't Nintendo's first online marketplace. Obviously, GameCube didn't have anything like that. 64 didn't really have anything like that. The SNES or Super Famicom in Japan had the Satellaview, which didn't use phone lines like Sega's online-ish system did back in the 90s. Japan literally had satellites shooting down yeah there's a there's a picture on wikipedia literally google search satellaview it's incredible they end up broadcasting a game 
from a satellite to your satellite dish on your on the roof of your house, you Japanese person, and you download it to your Super Nintendo, uh, Super Famicom, and you play the game. Incredible. And it's got BS in the title. The future was then. Uh, the reason why I brought up Yuri is because the first satellite that was shot into space that uses this technology is literally called the Yuri One. Beautiful name. I mean, if you don't have BS, you just you're out. <laughs> out of luck. Not getting it. Not w- when are we getting the BL sat- satellite? You know. Where's the VL satellite? <laughs> That's the real talk. Um, but I thought it was just an interesting because, like, when you when you look at online marketplaces back that far, like, obviously we had the original Xbox Live Arcade. There was Dreamcast stuff that you had experience with, matey. Like Dreamcast, like had online services. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually play it, but I know of it because yeah. of my love of Fantasy Star Online. Um, um, that was amazing because I know in Australia. Uh, the uh, the only provider of Dreamcast online services was, uh, I believe, Telstra. You had to shop through Telstra for a specific device. To have, like, their phone service. I, yes, because yeah. it was dial-up. Yeah. Um, I'm not too versed on that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, this was kind of one of the big ones when it launched alongside 360 and PS3 when all of that kind of started picking up. And, um, yeah, it's kind of sad to see it go. What an experience. That's what it feels like, 2.5.com. I was talking to Kate about this earlier. You know, it, it, it feels like we're... we're saying goodbye to a cultural artifact you know shops real bricks and mortar stores close all the time Mm. it's an accepted part of reality when you hear news about a digital store going yeah that is really different Mm. because it's so integral to the console and there's so many memories that we share with those consoles what happens to already stored data from the shop would you still have i mean you'd have to have still access to that uh up until that date which was january 31st you can purchase games if you already have purchased games and it's linked with your account you can re-download those games past that date Right. So you can continue to download them. So the service will technically still be live. You, at the moment, you literally can't even add credit card details to your Nintendo account to add points to purchase games. Because this was back in the age when it was like Microsoft points. You'd have mm. like 800 points for a, an arcade game. They thought that would be a great idea. It was dumb. Yeah. Nintendo had the same kind of train of thought. So right. if you have money in your account, you can buy games until January 31st. If you have bought games before that point, you can download them after that. Nintendo's yet to announce when that cutoff is going to be. But if they're on your console, you can use them. Right. Yeah. What an experience. It's just interesting to think that something that is not physical can close. Yeah. Like, just, yep. just turn it off. For what it's worth, it it's been running 13 years. Yeah. It's a good run. The way I like to look at it is, you know, physical stores have a lease that ends and construction materials that Outgoings. leave. Outgoings. For the digital store, you've got, you know, service space. Yeah. Service. So. And constant, you know, unthought of revenue. Yeah. In a way, it still exists in reality. It's just you know, in some big old server house somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, so weird. <laughs> don't think about it for Mind too buckled, long. Mind buckled, yeah. Get a stop bit, down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is the Week in Gaming News headlines. You're hanging out on Zed Games. And uh, right now, AGDQ is happening. AGDQ is the awesome games done quick event. It's based out in, I think it's Portland? Somewhere in the US. I'm not totally sure. But we're currently joined on the line by Stephen, uh, who is actually at the event. Stephen, how are you going today? Oh, I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, doing all right, man. Um, so... We've gone to Australian speedrun marathon events in Adelaide. So this is a relatively small event. It's kind of run. It was originally out of, like, Avcon. This, though, AGDQ has been, I feel like, it's a a much bigger event. Like, can you speak a little bit to some of the differences between the Australian speedrun marathon and AGDQ? Oh, it's just, I mean, the size is completely different. You know, AGDQ was an event with thousands of people compared to the... What um, like forty, fifty we have at the Australian Speedrunning Marathon? Yeah, the, the event cap here is like I think twenty two hundred. Like, As in, you can fit in twenty two hundred people into the venue itself. Um, I think the well, 
the hotel is, um, I think there's an overflow hotel, so not everyone fits in here, but then a lot of people are you know, off doing their own thing. I, you could probably get a few hundred in the stream room and then a few hundred more in the practice wow. room. And there's like casual room and a bunch of all whole other stuff scattered around and Jeez. really no one's ever in the same place at the same time anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, I guess apart from some of the bigger, like, milestones right because agdq like asm is really good because we're sort of typically raising money for i think it's beyond blue is the one that we do for um asm but agdq Mm -hmm. is typically i think it's doctors without borders as far as like the sort of funds that we see raised from agdq typically what is the amount that we see raised for this charity and, and how much have we raised uh this event to your knowledge um, so I know it's the, it's the Prevent Cancer Foundation for the um, for AGDQ. I think Doctors Without Borders is SGDQ. Ah, yeah. But then, um, like, I think typically the AGDQs have raised in the order of, like, like past ones have raised a couple of million um, US dollars, where you know, the Australian events were only getting maybe three grand or so. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's yeah, pretty, pretty insane to see that big difference, for sure. Just a quick question regarding how the culture is different between the Australian gaming community and the speedrunning community here and what makes it so popular and successful overseas. What do you think you would like to see out of the Australian community to make it more of an important and integral part of how we raise funds and how we can make it better here? Hmm, that's tough to answer. I think just, you know, it's, it's so different here just because it's so much bigger and that's just, you know... Games on Quick was one of the first speedrunning events, and it's just become popular very quickly. So it's you know, it, it'd be cool to see the Australian speedrunning community grow to a similar extent, but who knows how long that could take. So for those not in the know uh, in regards to speedrunning events, could you just give listeners just a quick uh, rundown of how the money is raised uh, when speedrunning? Um, so basically, there's all week long. There is a um, marathon live stream going. Um, all sorts of different runners running different games, and then um, the, the people can just donate online. Um, I believe the URL for this is uh, gamesdonequick.com. Um, there's a donation link there somewhere. So, and um, the money, uh, the money can be put towards various incentives. So, like there are some runs that will only happen if a certain amount of money is put towards them. Or there's incentives like character names for, for um, like you know, character names in various runs and things like that. Awesome. Um, I, I also kind of want to check in, Stephen. As far as because you're you're at the event itself, AGDQ. Are you running at the event this time? Uh, not this time. I I got to run in as a backup. So if someone with an hour and a half long run happens to die, then then I might be. But um, not this time. That's speedruns don't get that intense, I did do they? Run last year, though. Yeah, yeah. They I, hopefully speedruns don't get that intense. But um, I, I guess for you to go over there as like this is something that AGDQ isn't covering. Like this is something that you're kind of out of pocket for to be able to book flights to head over to the US to organize a com. As far as the reason why, outside of being a backup, could you speak a little bit to like why people travel from? It's not just Australia, from all over the world to these events to be with the community. Oh, it's just it's it's to be with the community. Like, there, I've been speedrunning for three and a half years now, and over that time, I've met like so many people, like mostly through Super Mario World, but then through other games and stuff. And just going to be able to like meet them and hang out in person is. So so worthwhile. 
Awesome. Um, so I guess for people who are wanting to jump into AGDQ right now, if they're listening live uh, or on the podcast, Stephen, would you know where to head? Would it just be gamesdonequick.com, the best place to go? Yep, um, there's gamesdonequick.com or um, you can go straight to the Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash gamesdonequick. Awesome. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for your time, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's all good. You're hanging out on Zed Games. My name's Jack, and I'm here with Kate and Adrian. And Kate, you want to talk about MMOs because you and Adrian have both committed a significant chunk of your life to them. A fair amount, yeah. But you also were very interested in why they're so all-consuming. Yes, like, because you I... It, you broke it down or you're wanting to break it down? I, I wanted to break it down okay. and see other people's perspective. Because for me, if you reverse engineer it, because for whatever reason, I got in the right headspace to do that. And I realized that it's basically, here's a fictional you in a fictional world. But that simply is just... I mean, Sims is a similar thing where it's a fictional you in a fictional world, but it doesn't have the same kind of level of gameplay. And I don't know what makes MMORPG game players so... How would you call that? Like, fanatical. Like, they're a fan base. Forward, intense. Addiction prone. Yes. (laughs) Because I was one of them. Right. So (laughs) so tell me your experience. What do you think made WoW so addictive? And, And how would you... I have always believed that the addictive qualities of it. yes mmorpgs are designed uh in a way to make you want to keep playing them that said i think the qualities that can cause someone to become quote unquote addicted to one vary based on someone's i suppose life situation or social life situation um for me i was heavy i was all in on world of warcraft um in my early teen years when I was disenfranchised at school, I wasn't doing well at school. I was being bullied at school. I didn't have healthy um, social connections. And I was able to play WoW as a form of escapism and also build healthy social connections through WoW. Right. That that is what made it a safe haven for me and something that I couldn't get enough of. Yeah. And to this day, um, on my main character in World of Warcraft, I've played the game consecutively... Uh, not consecutively, I mean, in total, your uh, game over time. a year. Yeah. Over a year, like total you, game time. Just to clarify, it's not like I played the game for a year. It's like literally you were logged in playing your character for like 24 times 365 at least. Yeah. Of, of those, that many at least, hours. At least. Did you do the numbers on how many hours that is? Uh, I think I, it, I haven't. I don't want to. <laughs> but please, <laughs> That's at least. Let's me. do it live. 8,700 hours. That's a lot. So you've got almost yeah. nine thousand hours of game time in in WoW. Yeah. With that, with that turn, or is that collectively? That was one account? character, right? One cool. character alone, eighty yep. eight thousand. But you would have rolled. You would have rolled hours. a few, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Plenty of characters. And that's the other thing. When I first started playing WoW, I started with a character that I didn't connect with, and I don't understand how. I don't know. I think this is just me getting way off the deep end right now. But <laughs> okay, there is something about the connection. Like, obviously, you've spent thousands and thousands of hours with one character. What is that relationship with that character? What makes that gameplay style? Or do you think that your gameplay hours are parallel on other tunes? 
That particular character for me, um, and I guess to clarify for listeners who aren't aware, um, a toon is colloquially referring a to a character yeah. in, in the game, um, or like a cartoon character. Um, I always found that to be a really interesting term when I was playing. So yeah, it, was, it, was it like, doesn't seem like a cartoon. Who's it's your crazy. toon? Um, so my, the character that I played over a year of the game on um, was a character that I resonated with, I think because um, it, was, it was a blood elf that was part of the first expansion. Um, that the game had, um, and I always wanted to play a mage. I always wanted to play a magic character. I I resonated with the form of you know intellectualism that the the, the magi sort of espoused, and um, there was something about that that I found really attractive. And the blood sort of elf law mixing with the mage law seemed like a perfect fit, and it just worked it just meshed and i found that i was able to really get into that character um prior to that there were a bunch of other characters that i had that i just sort of yeah would leave at you know midway through i wouldn't i wouldn't level them all the way to the the game's level cap at the time which was level 60 Mm. um it's hard to put your finger on why that is um i think there are definitely qualities that i have that are you know um commitment averse um or you know being indecisive that can lead to character and decision is hardcore Would you say real. the same for yourself? Oh, man. I have so many different characters, and the only one that I've really committed to, in my opinion, and guilty admission, it's a Tauren hunter, a uh, beast mastery hunter, but I love her. I love the Taurens. They're, they're so cool. And yeah. it's all like... The, all the cow puns that yeah. everyone names their characters after if they're a Tauren. It's like, you, you're obliged to have a cow pun. Exactly. And I mean, I don't know, I feel like the lore of the, the race does come into it as well, and... I don't know. It's mm. it's very, it's crazy how the law is also still continuing, and it is a world that is evolving. Mm. But there are so many elements in the game that can make it so immersive. And I want to know what is the most immersive part for you, if there is one. Wow, I think what you said about the game being ever continuing is mm. a big part of it. Um, I think there was a perfect storm with World of Warcraft of incredible game design which made the game feel fantastic to play Mm. um your character's movements weren't tied to the server like other games where so for example if you if you jump in another online game if your internet is lagging behind it in you know in 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 2007 it definitely was in australia yeah yeah um you wouldn't feel that jump immediately but in wow all of your actions were done client side. They were computed, computed on your computer before it hit the server. So you could feel that fluid movement with your character immediately. It was, it was snappy. It was quick. Um, that was one of the first things that I think got me hooked, how good it felt to play. Um, but just that, that game's sense of, of cohesion in its world design, in its lore, its art, mm. its aesthetic, uh, its, its story, which wasn't afraid to be backed up by a really deep... Um, library of lore, but also be tongue-in-cheek at times, you know? Yeah. Half the quests in that game, are sometimes, you know, it feels like sometimes are a reference to a, a pop culture um, joke or, or a meme or something yeah. funny. It was just, it was an engaging game. I think it, 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 yeah, it was that perfect storm. All the elements coming together. It was more than the sum of its parts. Yep. Yeah, so, because, I mean, then there's the, there's the question of what, if removed, would make it less playable for you? The... There's definitely one element which I haven't touched upon, which is mm. the people. Yeah. The people, 100%. It's, it is the community. You, it's, it's, a, it's a playable game without that. Yeah. But you need the friendships that you forge to keep that game being as attractive as it is to play. Right. And without that, 
the game doesn't mean much to me. I think that's where the true meaning in WoW comes. It's 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 the friendships and the fond memories that you form whilst in this world that's so just separated from reality yeah. and yet so human at the same time because of the people that are inhabiting it. Yeah. So I have never really played with other people. Interesting. I, I, yeah. So I've only just started playing with my brother, which has been an interesting experience because it's wow. my brother. Okay. So I've been in guilds before, but other than that, I just play pugs, you know, and I play PVE and I play quests. And right. The thing for me that I found from my experience to be the most, I guess, continually luring for me was that I can have a subscription to that game and depending on my mood, I'll still be satisfied playing that game. Because if I just want to do quests and grind out some stupid, you know, get 10 of this, get 20 of this, kill 100 of these, then I can do that. Mm. And it's it's time consuming, but it is still fun Mm. because other people are doing it with me, even if I don't ever have to communicate with them. Mm. And then if I want to just be in a world that is constantly moving, that was kind of, for me, it, it's it's an onion. It's like Shrek. All good. That yes. was the worst Warcraft thing has layers. Well, <laughs> but there, there are many, many elements to WoW. And I'm guessing, I mean, this is, again, speaking from a person who's never played any other MMORPGs, one of the things that makes that category of game so, so successful. Because it's not just play this game. It's not a side-scroller where you've got one mission. There are so many different things that you can do, and it doesn't matter on the gameplay type that you wanted to play on any particular day. There's something for you to do there. Yeah. And it's alive, and it's breathing. And even if you're playing alone, like you said, there's that sense that your actions have consequence on the world, and other people can also... um, then like other people are seeing your yeah. your actions have consequence. So in a way you're kind of implicitly interacting with them whether or not you are actually speaking with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something that's quite alluring about that. And I think other games have picked up on that. That's why we see so many, you know, single player games with little, you know, cheeky uh, multiplayer or always connected elements such as leaderboards or, or things that don't necessarily mm. impact the, the world, but you have that sense of connectiveness because it's, I, I think, and I feel, I don't have any research to back this up, but I feel that that's something that keeps people wanting to play a game and wanting to return to it. Mm. If it's, it's, I think it's the same strategy that social media platforms use, you know? Right. They keep keep people coming back by introducing the human element. There's a reason why platforms like Facebook and Instagram want people to keep sharing about their lives and sharing personal stories. Mm. And I think WoW has that attractive quality because... I mean, it's made of people. It's made of people. Yeah. Made by people with people. Yeah. I don't know. I just, you know, I found that- we live in a society. How great are people? <laughs> <laughs> it's like an onion. <laughs> I just, I, I can't... I don't know. It's at its base. It's play your play a game in a fake world as a fake character, and I couldn't tell whether it was the fact that you're playing in it. I'm not making any sense right now. No, keep speaking. But you know, with some shut games, up, Jack. Let us speak. <laughs> yeah. Like I can, I can like jump in if you want. But it's like I'll just let you just peel Stumble layers away like yeah. an onion. It's all, it, tell me about those but, inner onion. Tell me about the core. Yep, tell me about the bulb part, of the onion. The sweet part. No, I no, I, I just, want the bulb. The bulb part bulb. that makes you cry. Tell me. Is it the bulb that makes you I cry? I think it is. Okay, we're getting way off Whoa. track right now. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're listening to Onion Games. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just it's it's bizarrely simplistic in its 
total core of what it is. Like you play a fake character in a fake world, except there's other people there. And then you find out the storyline as you go through it. Mm. And you also get to increase your fake characters, like skills. Mm. And, and I think the amount of different elements as you look at it from the core, which is, you know, you are a character, you are a fake character in a fake world. And you're just hanging out with other people that happen to be real in this case, but you're seeing their fake characters. Mm. That, at its core, if you were to create that, is entirely benign. There's nothing to it. But then as you move into all of the things that, wow, for me personally, but probably other MMORPGs, have added to those storylines and the questing and the other gameplay styles, that's where it kind of becomes this insane, like enjoyable experience mm. for as many hours as people play WoW and uh, yeah. other games. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the structures that it uh, integrates into the experience. You know, like you said, you can kind of just jump in and hang out with people, but then mm. you've got structures such as, you know, dungeons and raids and yeah. guilds and things you can do to build up your character's status. Uh, you know, in a way, MMOs are kind of like the ultimate uh, video game form of conspicuous consumption because you can show off your status, your social hierarchy by what you wear. You know, mm. you, you've got these sick, massive pauldrons on your shoulders because, you know, Blizzard's artists love big pauldrons. You know, I, I mean, we need a physiotherapist in the world of Warcraft. Let me tell <laughs> yeah. you that. My God. We need a few of them. Those pauldrons are massive, but they're so cool. And you yeah. see that and you're like, man, that person has worked off their butt to yeah. get those pauldrons. They must be a real team player. They must be an absolute boss of what they do. Their guild must be so successful. And there's an attractive quality to that. And I think there's a parallel to the real world and climbing social hierarchies and, and whatnot. Yeah. So I guess the conclusion is Adrian really wants to jump. Both of you really want to jump back into. You want to play? You know, you want to play World uh, of Warcraft? <laughs> yeah, I kind of really do. <laughs> I haven't. So I haven't played I just, since Legion. So uh, yeah. spot the psych, spot the spike, the psych. You know, student. Right. I'm the one trying to find out what makes it so alluring. You, you were like, right. let's deconstruct this. Did and I help? Adrian's just like, I want you to play WoW. So with as me. someone <laughs> as someone who's not a no, I, wow, you Jack, were saying that to me. You're really, true. you were saying that to okay. me. Okay, all right. <laughs> so can't deny that. As as someone who isn't a psych psych student, how would you, how would you say my perspective has helped you understand what makes WoW so addictive? Has it done? So I mean, it's attractive? it's another it's another perspective, and that's always helpful. <laughs> okay, that's like I mean, there's no right or it's, it's entirely subjective. There's no right or wrong yeah, answer yeah. here. Mm. Like what makes WoW enjoyable is entirely based on the person's experience. Mm. And the way you articulate that is going to be different for each person. And the way that you actually experience that is going to be different. Mm. And that's why, for me, I was wondering if there was something in the game in and of itself. Mm. Or if it was just the way people play it. But with it being such a complicated universe now at Mm. this point, it's more the way people play it. Well, to those who are listening and those who have played WoW, feel free to hit us up on social media. Yeah. Let us know. Hit us with an answer. Because I want to hear what Twitter, people want to know. Instagram. You can also uh, text in 0420-626-733. Talk to us. So we can be found on at ZGames. At ZGamesAU. Correct. Is the social media tag that you want to hit us up with. Hit us up with your WoW experiences. Let us know what made World of Warcraft or other mul- massively multiplayer online role-playing games so attractive to you. Maybe we'll uh, speak about them. And, and if also, you want to keep it simple, yeah. then just let me know, is it the MMO or the RPG that really gets you into it? Mm. And then if you really want to play with us, you can leave a review on iTunes and Spotify saying, these people got me addicted into WoW again. Or just tell us why you, you love them. onions. <laughs> yeah. You're hanging out <laughs> on Zed Games. Uh, we were just chatting about 
why WoW is so addictive, or why MMOs or RPGs or both are so addictive. Mm. You're hanging out on Zed Games. I'm Jack, and I'm hanging out with Kate and Adrian. Hey. Howdy doody. G'day. G'day. Adrian. Yes. Want to smash? <laughs> oh, do I? I'm leaving. I'm getting out. I can't. That's right. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is out now for the Nintendo Switch. Nice. That, that was a good. That was a good Ooh, I like switch. That. that was good. Little, yeah. Guess the sound. You know what sound is that? Nintendo Switch. Nice. <laughs> so in the name, as you would as you would guess, this Super Smash Brothers game is all in. It's it's all in. Everything's there. Everyone's there. Everyone's here. Everyone's here. Everyone is here. That's the marketing for the game. Uh, and it's no lie. Every past Super Smash Brothers character is in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Everyone is here. It's incredible. I'm just going to read off some facts for you before I jump into my impressions or my review of the game. Um, Let's see right here. This is uh, courtesy of Polygon.com. The game features a roster of more than 60 characters. Every character that's ever been in a Smash Bros. game, even all the DLC characters. That means that there are characters from more than 30 intellectual properties in this one singular game. Think about how many wallets have been lined thanks to Super, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. PlayStation All-Stars? No, Nintendo All-Stars Battle Royale. Battle Royale, Royale. The real, Ultimate. The real Battle Royale. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so this one actually comes with a bevy of new characters as well. So not only have they brought in all the previous characters, but you've got fan request favourites, such as Ridley, Inkling from the Splatoon games, um... And a few other characters. You got you got these uh, Echo Fighters this time around. Um, that are you know it's just a nice way of saying that they're clone characters. So you've got Daisy um, and uh, who else have you got, Jack? Have you got Waluigi? <laughs> Don't get me started. Oh! <laughs> no, there's no Waluigi in this game, unfortunately. <laughs> Nintendo fans eat your heart out. Uh, no, what Super Smash Brothers Ultimate right. does have though that doesn't include Waluigi, unfortunately, is an extremely robust, sweet. A smorgasbord, if you will, of game. A cornucopia. A cornucopia of game. An onion that you can peel back at as you play. <laughs> you Again with the goddamn onion. can't get away with it. You say onion once on this show and we just won't let you get away with it, And mate. we just start That's crying. Right. That's we, right. Dude, it doesn't even take an onion for me to start crying. It, but it's okay because we're not in 2018 anymore. It's 2019. But when baby. I beat you in Smash Bros. Ultimate, you will cry. New Year, new me. You're actually pretty good at Smash Bros. Ultimate. I am actually. Okay, so I'm going to quickly get into the feel of the game because that's something where, like, here are all of the things that you Let's need to Let's get the bad out of the way first. Smash Ultimate has a very noticeable amount of input delay. It is very noticeable and tested. Yes. Yes, it so, is one of the slower yeah, Smash Bros. games in terms of how it registers your input. Not as bad as Brawl. Brawl was horrendous for that. In gameplay, it was it was quite slow, Brawl. But yeah. this Smash Bros. No, Ultimate also in, in, terms of, in terms of input. Yes. Delay. Yes. yes. But Ultimate, I feel like it's the, the input delay brings it back, but also a lot of the fighters feel a lot heavier, a lot weightier than they did in Smash 4 and in 3DS. That means you really need to go in planning a little bit more. You can't just run and gun. Like, on Wii U, I was an idiot. <laughs> I would do some really dumb stuff and get away with a surprising amount of it. You can't do that in, in Ultimate. It's, it, it, yeah. it can be unforgiving sometimes. Don't get us wrong. This is still frantic, crazy, party, fighting game fun. Yeah, it, it's not it, like you need to have like a degree in biomedicine like a Street Fighter you know, player. You know, you heard about the hitboxes? You know, like, you know, tell me exactly how that hit's going to register on that character. Can you wave dash in Ultimate? Don't get me started. <laughs> this game, though, does, I think, I feel... Uh, what do you feel? I feel like... It's a middle ground between the way, bear with me, Melee felt and Smash 4 felt. 
Yeah, it's not quite as fast as melee. It's not quite as responsive as melee. Um, but there's there's a there's a there's a middle point there. So it's still frantic. It's still fun. The middle there point is, is that, ultimate. Yes, but there's that considered approach that you need to take with your character's actions because you know you you are gonna find areas where in previous Smash games you could have pulled off things that you just can't pull off in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. That said, it's a pretty well-tuned game. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic fun to play. You know, what's been done well in previous Smash games is done fantastically here. Uh, the gameplay is solid. The characters are solid. The art is solid. The gameplay modes are solid. Um, so you've got your original um, classic mode that you know and love from Super Smash Bros. games where, you know, if you want to play alone, you can do so. You can jump in and, 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 and verse a bunch of uh, computer-controlled characters. Um, but this one actually has a World of Light mode in it, which uh, is kind of like a... You know, it's like a big overworld that you can walk through. Kind of similar to the subspace emissary. But it's not as full-featured as subspace emissary, Correct, right? yeah, yeah. So you're actually selecting from just points in, in an overworld to traverse to, yeah. and then you're jumping in and you're fighting these characters and you're essentially saving the world. Um, long story short, all the characters... You know, everybody's here and then they all die except Kirby because the game is produced by Masahiro Sakurai he doesn't and have a Kirby favorite. is his baby. He doesn't have a favourite at all. Not at all. I love Kirby. Kirby's fantastic, and, and you know the game's developers love him too. So, you slowly unlock characters through that game mode, uh, and you get to equip them with RPG-like um, statistics, and, and you get to boost them in certain ways. And they've really put a lot of thought into making all of the single-player story mode fights feel different and and have different catches to them. Whether it be you know doing a fight where uh, all, the character is made out of metal and it's, it's it's a battle to you know zero HP as opposed to trying to knock them off in I traditional Smash Bros. God, style, <laughs> it can get quite rough. Um, so that's really fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh, HP fights? No, no, no. The, the single-player mode. Okay, HP cool. fights can leave. Absolutely. Get out the door. So, I've played a little bit. You've obviously played quite a bit because you bought it. Absolutely. Kate, have you had an opportunity to play a bit of Ultimate? No, I have not. In no. fact, I am a complete noob to all things Super Smash. Yeah. yeah. It's been an intimidating game to watch because yeah. there's always so much chaos going on. And I feel like it wouldn't probably it probably wouldn't take long to kind of play it and then realize what all that chaos and craziness is. Absolutely. I think, you know, hearkening back to... We were talking earlier about World of Warcraft. I think mm. Super Smash Brothers nails something very similar to, to what World of Warcraft nails, which is it's easy to learn, hard to master. You, right. can, you can grasp that onion easily, but you will spend a lot of time peeling it back. Again with the onion. It's so you know bad. it's a good analogy, though. It's Shut up. It's not a good analogy. <laughs> it's a terrible analogy. <laughs> Sometimes the onion makes you cry, and it's making Jack cry in this circumstance. You That's know, don't worry about it. It's exactly all good. Right. Um, but yeah, Super Smash Bros. has always been a fantastic series that you can just pick up and learn much faster than other fighting games. So, Kate, it, it kind of is a little bit unfortunate that you've been you felt that resistance to getting into it because they're left behind because <laughs> the great thing about smash bros is it shares a universal control scheme for all of the characters so once you know how a particular character controls it's pretty easy to pick up another character thanks to the way the game's designed and just button smash you know you can do that that's an approach as well that is absolutely. definitely yeah. an approach and super smash like bros enables that 100 percent. yep 100 percent. for those not in the know about the way smash bros works though um because you know this is a franchise that has worked up a massive catalog of, of games in it uh, and if you are like kate and you felt like you don't really know what's up or you've you're not sure if you want to jump into it it's a fighting game uh traditionally for up to four players although i believe you can play with up to 
Um, I'm, eight. I'm eight. Yes, eight in this one, which you know is crazy. Is ridiculous. Don't do that. Don't so do that. Don't do it with Bluetooth controllers because it's going to feel like trash. Or on the Switch screen in handheld mode. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you won't be able to see what's it going on. It zooms out. Yeah. So um, you can play. There's quite a few different input methods. Wii remotes obviously gone because it's not a Wii U. Um, Joy Cons are good. Pro Con. Well, individual Joy Cons feel like crap, but you can use them. Um, Pro Cons are all good to go, and then you can also plug in the GameCube adapter if you've purchased it. They are in short demand, though. And so when you're in the game, um, the way to win is to knock other players off the off the battlefield, if it were. So you're not traditionally knocking people down to zero health as you would in a normal fighting game. You're essentially trying to damage them as much as you can. So they're fragile and they're easily knocked off the stage. Mm. A little bit like me at the end of 2018. I'm quite fragile. <laughs> so the thing is, Smash is, I feel like, one of Nintendo's bigger properties. But from the sounds of it, like it... Kate, you were saying that you felt kind of intimidated, and I feel mm. like that's something that a lot of people seeing, like, pro players or, like, promotional material, like, yeah. it's, it's quite a confrontation. Obviously, like, it's a fighting game, though, but I don't think it's as much of a Switch seller as, like, a Zelda or a Mario or as much of a big deal to kind of, like, mainstream. Is it a fun party game? Yeah. But it is... The, the barrier to entry, I feel like, is much higher than, like, a Mario party in that way. Mm. Absolutely. And so, like, Kate, you were talking about getting a Switch soon. Potentially, yeah. But I'm Smash at wouldn't it. be the one to make you get a Switch, I feel. No, it'd be more Mario stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Um, Smash Bros. Ultimate is out now on Switch. It is. You can get it on uh, cartridge, at retail, or on the eShop. Thanks for that review, Adrian. No worries. Uh, you are hanging out on Z Games, but not for much longer, because we're about to go. Um, thank you so much for hanging out. That was the entire show, our first official show of 2019. Woo! Hopefully all of them are as good as this one and don't have a bunch of Onion references. <laughs> I'm looking angrily at Adrian, not Kate. Kate, it's fine. Yay! We all, it's, Radio stumbles hey, You started it, Kate. Fine... I just carried your legacy of Onion Honestly. You took it too far. Oh. <laughs> too far. Is there such a thing? Too far. Definitely. Too far. Um, if you've enjoyed our banter, in massive air quotes, feel free to check us out on <laughs> iTunes and uh, Spotify. Also, give us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening to us as well, because it really helps us out. And no one really knows that we exist there yet. Please change that. We exist. We exist on iTunes and Spotify. Download us. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ZGamesAU is where you can find us as well. Thanks so much for hanging out. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.